Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Haunted Playground on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. Please find us at LiveParanormal.com and all of our affiliates, iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Player FM, Blog Talk Radio. There are new ones I need to add, but I need to memorize those. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm a 28-year talk radio host in Los Angeles and beyond. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a performing artist, and I come to you live from my home in Southern California every week. This show is about Everything that lives beyond the three dimensions. So whether you want to know, is there life after death? Is there a God? Or you think perhaps you have a Loch Ness monster in your above ground swimming pool. It all belongs here. Uh, cryptozoology, spirituality, paranormal, um, past life regressions, uh, ufology. It all belongs right here on Haunted Playground. And every week I gather folks that I believe are the brightest and most beautiful minds and hearts and souls in both the paranormal and the spiritual communities. And we talk about everything that lives beyond what other people call normal, what we call completely normal. My guest today is making his debut on uh, any of my shows. I'm thrilled to have him. We were connected by a mutual friend when she discovered that we are both going to be speakers at the Parapod convention in Santa Clarita uh, on March 31st and April 1st. I'm honored to be there, and I'm sure he is too. He is the Director of Media Relationships uh, Relations for MUFON, and he is also a filmmaker and a speaker and a researcher, and it's so wonderful to have him here. Please welcome to the show. For the very first time, the wonderful Ron James is here. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the show. Wow, Sheena, that was a great introduction. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here, and thank you for all that you do uh, to help those that uh, have had encounters with things they don't understand. Um, I grew up in a haunted house, so I sort of think that when you've had the experience, for whatever reason, it's kind of, a for me, a spiritual obligation to help others that might have witnessed something or experienced something they don't understand to help them realize it's totally normal, right? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, MUFON itself has what we call the experiencer resource team, where people that that join MUFON that have had experiences can find community and information and like minds. And what I've found out is their media guy is people come and talk to me, and there are so many people that have a story to tell that they've just been living with and that is so difficult for them to get out. Um, it's it's rampant. It's everywhere. Absolutely. So I'll tell you my family one really quick because it's exactly what you're talking about. When I was a year old, my mom was in the laundry room. She had me in my little thing on the dryer, my little, you know, to-go thing, my pod, whatever that is. 
and we lived in a Cape Cod house. The laundry room was the basement, technically the first floor. And she turned around, and there was a man standing in the living room. And he had, in the laundry room, he had very light blonde hair, giant blue eyes. He had on a red check shirt, jeans, and white tennis shoes. And she thought somebody had come into the house. So she said to him, what are you doing in the house? And he disappeared. And she knew in her gut it was some kind of an off-world thing, but she couldn't explain it. So she did what you do in 1968. She went to her therapist who told her that, you know, the basement represented her deep sexual desire and the uh, the man in the basement represented him, the therapist. Of course, that was the last time she went there. That's actually a true story. So five years later, <laughs> it had been driving her crazy, right? Can you believe that? Yeah, that's, that's how you know yeah, it's time to get rid bad. of your therapist. So yeah, five no years kidding. later, my dad had been uh, – what? I said, yeah, hey, babe, you like tennis shoes? That's just not right. Exactly. You think you saw an alien? It's actually me. And the, Right. So five years later, my dad had been transferred to Chicago. And my mom was reading the paper one day, and she read this story that was in the paper about this lady who was having a party. And she was in the kitchen, and this man appeared in the kitchen looked exactly the same, dressed exactly the same. And so she went out and started asking people, you know, who invited the guy in the white tennis shoes, and nobody knew who he was. She told her husband, you got to go in there and tell this guy to go. And the husband went into the kitchen and said, who are you and why are you here? And the guy disappeared right in front of his eyes. And my mom said that was when she became really terrified because she knew she hadn't made it up. It wasn't a hallucination. It wasn't a ghost. There was some kind of a being popping around places and observing people in their natural habitat. So I tell that story whenever I talk about ufology on a show so that people understand that this kind of thing happens to people every day, right, to normal people. And um, it can be terrifying if you don't know what it is. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so many different types of encounters and types of phenomenon. People used to think that they were all separate things. And to a degree, they probably are, as far as, you know, what is behind them. But we're starting to discover that the mechanisms that make these things possible within physical reality are the same mechanisms at play through a lot of different expressions. It's actually a groundbreaking um, uh, move forward in our understanding of this stuff. I love that. How did you first become interested I've always been like an armchair enthusiast of, of this kind of stuff. And I had an experience. I, I, I'm not an experiencer myself. I've never seen a UFO. Um, I've had some weird things happen to me on ghost investigations. I've made some uh, some ghost documentaries before. But um, I just decided early on in my video career that I, I wanted to address important topics that, that made a difference to humanity. And so I've been addressing life after death, the nature of reality, and the ET question um, in most of my productions ever since. I love that. Have you experienced – what have you experienced? Have you seen you experienced um, ghosts or uh, interdimensional I made a documentary called Dead Whisper, and we, uh, we actually – it was one of the very first documentaries about electronic voice phenomenon – so we certainly had some mm. weird, creepy things happen there. We went to the old Mantino Asylum and a couple other places. People can find that online if they just Google around James Dead Whisper. It's out there for free on YouTube. But, um, you know, there's – I think for me the 
biggest thing was this evolutionary journey of going from just being entrenched in this world to starting to come to the realization that we're definitely spiritual creatures having a physical experience. And that journey for me was more internal journey than, you know, what did I see in the sky? But I also think that fate has ordained me to address these topics in a journalistic way. And it would be really hard to do that if I was, you know, had abduction experiences or, or was seeing UFOs all over the place. I, I try to stay objective and my new film accidental truth is really, it's not about what we can say might be. It's a pretty good stab at what we can prove. That's, and, and what what do you think at this point we can prove, however many, you know, decades and centuries into wondering what's beyond three dimensions? Well, I mean, certainly in the movie, um, I, I don't go back beyond, uh, you know, the time before Roswell, but what what we what we pretty much show in the movie beyond any kind of a reasonable doubt we build a great circumstantial case that one um there were events that happened in the 40s and before that where some kind of technology materials and biology was recovered it was sequestered everybody knows that this is a true story but we actually are rolling out some new evidence that supports it and then two that the uh that the new narrative that they've rolled out that nothing happened after blue book until the program that we know um, got rolled out in the uh, New York times in 2017, the official story that there was no government interest. We blow the lid off that by actually exposing people that actually admit having run these secret programs and telling us that they were studying things that were very similar to uh, what we're being told now, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And we also um, have come across some information that pretty much reveals kind of what they discovered and the technology that they were made privy to and where that all leads to now. So for the general mainstream public, it's probably a very definitive UFO documentary. It gives you the history and it gives you proof based on testimony of, of high government officials and uh, Freedom of Information Act requests that were granted, and we just connect the dots, and at the end of it, you're just like, uh, okay, there's nowhere left to go. You guys got to start talking. I love the story that the government has no interest, right? I mean, that's always the story. The government right. has no interest because if beings came from another planet who were highly involved, evolved, and highly intelligent in in highly evolved technological craft. Well, that doesn't sound like anything the government would be interested in at all. I don't know why anybody would think that. I mean, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I like how the government acts like, even if they're here, we don't care. I mean, it's it's so obvious that it, it, it the government has, the, has kept it. Thought experiment. You simply can't follow that to a logical conclusion and, and decide that that's true. The military right. is in charge of sure that we have the best technology on the planet. And the idea that there's something flying around that surpasses us and they're just ignoring it or pretending it doesn't exist is ludicrous. And um, yeah, we're able Absolutely. to actually show a string of pattern with, with proof that hasn't been put out there before that, that leaves you no conclusion but that we're being engaged by some sort of unknown intelligence. It's probably there could be an extraterrestrial element to it. But there's also a whole lot of different aspects to this that go everything from interdimensionality to life forms right. that we don't even understand. 
to the very nature of reality and the interaction with consciousness. Right. Absolutely. Now, now do you believe, because I was going to ask you that next, and then you brought it up. Do you believe there is a way to differentiate between what we consider off-worlders and what we consider interdimensional beings? Because to me, it's so woven together, and then your mind starts to, like, trip on the matrix, right? And then you're so out there. I mean, does it well, the, do do offworlders? Do we consider offworlders biological beings? I mean, in some in some way, they have to be alive, and interdimensional. There's a lot of kind of. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. There, you know, if there are extraterrestrials, there's as many varieties probably as as there there is imagination, and the uh, the idea of of interdimensional beings. Gary Nolan is, is in my film. Uh, he's this researcher at Stanford that actually is on the record for having studied some of these materials that were recovered. And uh, he's really kind of spills the beans about a lot of it. But one of the things that he says is it doesn't really matter if they're interdimensional or extraterrestrial because in order to be coming here, they would have to be both. And it's a really good point because once you, yes. once you transcend the distance of, of galaxies and stars to get here, well, then that is interdimensionality by its very definition. And so there's dimension, the idea that dimensions could be right beside us occupying the same space. You just turn the radio dial of reality and, and you're tuned into something different. And, you know, then there's spatial dimensions. And then you hit on something really interesting that, that I happen to subscribe to is when you look at all of it, it's very clear it's becoming more and more clear to scientists that this is definitely some sort of a simulation. Even if we don't look at it like, oh, we're in a video game? That's crazy. It's stupid. The whole way that our physical reality works is indicative of a simulation. We have matter that's not really here, but that, that is just an illusion of solid objects. We have a universe that functions on very simple mathematical algorithms. By its very definition, even what science will acknowledge today the universe functions in the same way as, as the computer games that we're building right now. I completely agree. And that's where your brain starts to trip, right? Because when I start to think about it, you know, cause I have that kind of analytical Virgo rising. So I'm always trying to like put things in boxes, right. To make sense in my head. And I think, well, what do I consider an off world or extraterrestrial? And what do I consider an interdimensional? And I always come down to that thing I just asked you. What if, what if off-worlders are living beings and interdimensionals are more beings of spirit, energy? But then I start to think, well, wait a minute. I'm a being of energy. And then I start to think, well, wait a minute. Am I really alive? Do I really exist? And then all of a sudden the matrix comes, right? And you start asking all mm-hmm. these existential questions, and then nothing seems real. So it, it, I think it's best. It's a question that automatically you fly over the the cliff and down into the rabbit hole because because what do we know that anything is real um you know we're so well, exactly. spirits are so right here with us right and we are so close to to the beyond the veil is so thin um does it really matter is is you know what i mean it's it's odd when you start going there because it makes everything seem so small in our world compared to the vastness of it all well you know the interesting thing about it Tina is that Humanity is attached to this duality of yes or no, right or wrong. And the idea that 
multiple realities can be valid at the same time is so alien to us. But if we are actually able to wrap our heads around that, then it becomes really easy to understand that we don't have to fight so hard for the things that we think are absolutely correct because they're subjective to our own reality and we can accept other people's realities and their experiences in completely different ways. So if we were able to understand this and adopt it, in other words, there's our collective consensus reality. We all live in this world under a blue sky and green grass. We're all energetically connected on agreeing on certain things in order to make this simulation work. But subjective reality, there's a certain amount of things that, that are going to be real just for us and might not be real for someone else. Three people could be standing in a field and one of them see a UFO, the other people see nothing. That's subjective reality. And until now, we've said, well, two people saw nothing and one person did, so that's a crazy person. But if we can understand that that subjective reality is a big part of this, then we can understand that just because we didn't see it doesn't mean you didn't see it. And once we once we yes. can understand that, that we can reach a whole new way in which we interpret reality and we interact with each other and we accept each other. And so if, the, if there's anything these beings, whatever they are, um, even if they're just illusions in the matrix, what they're, they're showing us something about the very nature of our reality that we have not collectively accepted. And so, you know, we're on the precipice of a, if we don't destroy ourselves first, we're on the precipice of an absolute, revelation in the nature of our existence right right do you think we can handle it because sometimes what i think about the government keep everything everything from us you know first you get angry and you think oh that government they keep everything from but then you start thinking about the people that you know like i've recently since i've moved back to my hometown um in southern california i've become very involved in the next door app and which is basically like a beehive for karen right? It's a wonderful yep. thing and it's a wonderful resource, but all the Karens are there. They all have a ring camera and they're all looking. So but those are the people that I worry about, that if the government did say, hey, you know what? We did keep this from you. This is what's going on and these are the different species and this is what we've seen, that people would be out with their guns, right? Because human beings want to kill yeah, everything they're, they don't they're, understand. We're, not, we're never going to get that kind of disclosure, not, not in our lifetimes or our children's lifetimes. The, uh, what, we're, what we saw start in 2017, and this is largely what the film is about, was an organized rollout of a store of an agreed-upon story that we have to start kind of alluding to the fact that there's these things happening, but we have to do it in such a way that we can cover our butts from the, all the previous cover-ups, lies, deceptions, government programs, blah, blah, blah. And we also have to do it in a way that we're still slow-walking it out to the people. Yes, yes, right? In little tiny increments. People can only handle so much, and then they start to freak. Is there there a reason that we have this mentality of of the human race? You know, there's a lot of people that think that that we've just been conditioned for this, uh, to be just dumbed down constantly by everything for whatever reason, nefarious maybe. And so the reason we have people that are like this and that are so absorbed in their own world and their own illusion of, of, of enemies and friends and, and life minds. And I mean, we're, we're just a manipulated species and whoever's manipulating us, yeah. I'm not sure. It might even be the elites of our own thing. 
but it's, it's a sad situation on the human condition. And just when you think that people on this planet are starting to evolve, that there's some new evolution of consciousness that's bringing about mass enlightenment, we have what's happening in Ukraine. We have what's happening yeah. in China. We have these absolutely, for lack of a better word, just evil expressions of humanity that we have not been able to tame. And that's a big problem. And, yeah. and you know, eventually there's going to be an outcome that, uh, if, if we're not careful, is going to be the end of this. Well, you know, I always say on my shows that um, we're special toddlers, right? I mean, if you look at us compared to the shark or the alligator, like we're about like two years old. Um, and we act like it. We throw fits. You know, we, we can't have all the birthday cakes, so we knock it on the ground. I mean, this is kind of how we act about things. I think that's part of it, that we're still trying to evolve out of our uh, primal mammal self into our higher self. But we're babies, and we're not there yet. And then also I think I, a lot of my – I blame organized religion, and I have nothing against organized religion or anybody who organizes their religion. But religions were created to grow and thrive like a business, and how you, how you have a successful business is people keep and come patroning your product or service, right? So religions taught people to not think outside of the box because if you thought outside of the box, you might stop coming to church and tithing. And, I mean, in the origins of when churches began, that was the idea, to keep everybody close. And they did that by using fear as the edges, right? Anything beyond this is the fear. Like in the day when we all believed that the earth was on a turtle's back, and if you walked too far, you'd fall over the edge into the abyss. Um, so given the, the, my previous rabbit hole analogy, maybe there's more truth to that than we knew. But, you know, the idea that um, if you don't X, Y, and Z, bad things will happen. So I think people have grown up, our species, very fear-based, Ron. We're scared of everything that we don't know, and we think every enemy is terrible and everything is the devil. And so, you know, if off-worlders come, whether they look like us or they look like E.T. or they look like whales or whatever they look like, we're going to automatically think that some, this is a threat and become fearful. And when humans become fearful, then ugly things happen, right? Like we're seeing in Ukraine and China and all different places, even in our own country. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think that there's some sort of loose association of space-faring species that have negotiated themselves at least to a point where they're not warring with each other. But that doesn't mean that they all agree. Now, I can't say any of this in my official capacity as MUFON. It's just things that I think about. Um, if that's true, then there's some factions that want to see humanity evolve to the point where we earn our place in a galactic family. And there's probably other factions, whole different agendas for how to dispose of an experiment that didn't perform. And those things are at play right now. And so, you I know, agree. at the end of the day. Go ahead. Uh, no, I said I agree with you 100%. I was thinking and to serve man is a cookbook. Yeah, and, you know, that might not be that far from the truth. You know, if you think about it, people are like, well, if an extraterrestrial species was going to conquer the planet, they would have done it already. But I don't agree with that at all. I think that, you know, we, we basically, if you're growing a crop for some reason, um, 
you're going to wait until the field's full before you harvest it. And right now this planet is bursting at the seams with humans just ready for however they might be exploited. But I think that we have a choice. And and, and that choice is that if we're able to show in our own evolution that, you know, we're not going to self-destruct, then we're going to get that opportunity. But I also think that if we become clearly unable to, to sustain ourselves, like it becomes obvious that we're just going to self-destruct or kill each other or nuke the planet, then a cleanup crew comes in <laughs> and says, okay, time to wipe these guys out, and we're done. And so, and, and yeah. that there is a not, not so much a battle because it's very civilized, but among spacefaring civilizations, there is agreements about, you know, okay, well, if these guys show that they're – that, that their consciousness is evolving to the point where they can overcome their evil tendencies, then they're going to be allowed to continue. And if not, there's a whole other group of races probably that are just happy to come in here and do whatever they do to planets. Uh, and I, I agree. And, you know, so I was in a, an off-world channeling session once. Okay, now I'm going out there, so you got to go with me. It was a bunch of different channelers, and we were all channeling what the channelers who invited us believe to be off-worlders. So take that for what take that for what it is, but that's what it was. So the messages that came through very clearly to all of us individually sort of be summed up with don't make us come back there. You know what I mean? Like when mom goes, don't make me come back there in the back seat, because it was sort of like, look, this is what you've done with what you have. Don't make us come and fix this because you're not going to like it. And um, I felt sort of viscerally moved after that night because I felt like here was this, this, this giant, you know, species, whichever species we contacted that was so huge compared to us and so evolved compared to us, just saying, look, we don't want to have to come, like you said, Ron, be the cleanup crew here. Don't make us do it. But you're on a bad trajectory and you've got to do something about it. And it sort of reminded me of, you know, when, when a parent gives a child that, look, you're one step from going to juvenile hall. This is your last shot. Don't, don't make us do this. And, you know, and it, and well, it, like it kind of scared me. I mean, I'm sorry? I said it's just like the prime directive from Star Trek. It, you know, there very well could be something like that going on. And um, yeah. personally, I, I think that that's the case prove that it's the only thing that I put in my movie is stuff that we can prove about the government cover up of something because I didn't want to make a film where we're talking about things that I have this joke I call it the Midwest bar test you want to hear it yeah okay so say you're in the Midwest average salt of the earth people they're hanging out at their sure. favorite bar in the afternoon and you go in there and you say oh I'm into UFOs and they say, oh, really? Tell me. And you say, well, you know, I think there's a good chance and plenty of evidence that there's been some sort of unknown intelligence interacting with humanity for all of recorded history. There's a lot of evidence that the government and the churches know a whole lot about it that they're not telling us. And most scientists will agree that there's got to be life in the universe. Every single person in the Midwest bar will be like, yeah, sure, dude, man, I get that. Thanks, man. Thanks for telling me. Here, let me buy you a beer. But as soon as you say, oh, and by the way, 
I was a soldier in a secret base on Mars in flying universe submarines. And um, uh, there's a, there's a transporter in uh, San Diego that will take you to any planet you want. That stuff might be true, I suppose. But as soon as you say that in the Midwest bar, you're going to be lucky if you get through your first beer. And so I apply the Midwest bar test to anything that I want to put out there. Other people can put out whatever they want. And I'm not going to say that they're right or wrong, but I just want to stick with stuff that we can make a good case for. I get that. And I think that's brilliant. As, As a spiritual practitioner, as you're saying that, I'm realizing that so much of what I do and say would not pass the Midwest bar test. But uh, at the same time, as a human being, I'm incredibly pragmatic. And um, I, I do believe in things that we can prove first and foremost, even as with what I do as a psychic medium, there are things I believe and there are things that I know we can prove and I don't confuse the two because that's when you start getting into crazy land. And then nothing that you can prove seems believable. I also believe all the messages that I've received from spirit over the years that I do as a spiritual uh, practitioner and as a creative artist, the universe is very linear and it's very, it's very practical. And it's, um, you know, the idea of quantum physics, right, of everything in the universe making sense. Every message I've ever received is exactly that. And um, I think when I work with clients, sometimes I feel like more than I'm Glenda the Good Witch dishing out the woo-woo, I'm, I'm showing the logic of how the universe works. You know, I have a client that teases me from, because I'm from Connecticut that I channel the Pepperidge Farm gods. But you know what I mean? There's a, there's a pragmatism to the way the universe works. So there must be the same linear, logical pragmatism to the way that off-worlders work because they're part of the universe too, right? So there must be the same logic there that we have here and the same kind of uh, physical and energetic boundaries and limitations that we have here. Uh, It just makes sense, right? If it works for us, it works for them. Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all. But, you know, one thing that's really interesting is that we have these scientists that have struggled their whole lives trying to find, quote, unquote, the theory of everything – And the one thing that that they're not willing to acknowledge that is very clear is that none of this will function on a guided set of rules 100% of the time. Reality has to be able to cheat, and it does a lot. Um, There's something called quantum photosynthesis. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, Yes, but explain again what it is for everybody. Well, it's basically proof that the, that the universe can cheat. Um, I'll explain it really briefly. So there's um, scientists have always been confused about the way a plant processes a photon of light. And the reason they were confused is because this photon was able to enter the leaf of the plant and find its way to the core of the plant that processes light into energy by the most efficient way through the plant. And they're all like, well, how can that happen? There's a million ways. The plant's growing. It's changing constantly. How is this photon finding its way through the plant? And what they came to understand is that in the brief instance, this this photon is actually going outside of reality to the center of the plant and then collapsing back in on the best one. And, And this is, if you look up quantum photosynthesis, this is solid science. And to me, what it proves is that there are ways that, that, the physical universe can cut corners and pull strings 
And scientists looking for a rigid theory of everything that explains everything are never going to be able to, to get it because there's no way to factor in the fact that there's a random element to all of it. Right. Exactly. Yes, but that makes sense, right? In every scientific theory or experiment, there's always that factor, right? There's always that factor of of that fraction of of change and difference and variation in, in absolutely everything. So yeah, which is it would make sense that it's so hard to come up with a rock solid theory of everything because a theory of everything states that if you have a certain set of rules then you can explain everything. But you can't create a certain set of rules when there is no certain set of rules that exist. Yes, there are rules, I agree. Yes. But mm-hmm. they, they exist to be broken, changed, and, and, and manipulated. Right. And it's not... Oh, and don't you also... Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry? No, you can go. Don't you also think from, from a spiritual perspective that if this is a, a teaching planet and we're here to learn and we're here to grow... Uh, giving us the theory of everything sort of, um, you know, uh, makes that, <laughs> that kind of puts the end to it all, right? There goes the growth. If we know all the answers, then we have no um, need or urge to grow striving for the answers, right? We're supposed to be um, working to figure it all out. If somebody gives us the cheat and we say, it's kind of like when you um, when you play the video game when we were kids, right? And then somebody knew somebody whose brother had a friend who knew somebody who knew how to hack the game, and they gave you the hack, and then suddenly you're at level 40 and the game's over. Well, then you never want to play the game again because you now know how to win. And the fun was going from level to level to level, and every time you played, trying to get to that next new level you hadn't gotten to. Once you hacked it, then it's just, it's no fun anymore. So I think it's the same thing. If somebody gave us the theory of everything, it would be super exciting for 10 minutes. And then it would be like, well, what now? Now we know about everything, so it's totally boring to be here. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I asked a, a, a spiritual person one time. I said, you know, are we, uh, are we spiritual beings here to learn, or are we evolved beings here on vacation? And he kind of said, well, you know what? It's a little bit of both. Sure. Yeah. I believe that, too. Yeah. Do you believe that um, off-worlders, extraterrestrials, are all part of the same universe? I mean, there, there is a God source that has created the Earth, right? Is there also the well, same God source weird. that has created their planet? People get hung up on this God thing, like some dude sitting up in a big throne with a white beard. But really, the best definition of that opinion is just the sum of collective consciousness. And perhaps it's self-aware as a singular unit beyond the sum of all the parts. But, you know, our idea of God and and everything else is just, it's very, very primitive. Yes, of course. Of course, it has to be a human. It has to be a man who's a human. And, of course, he's mad all the time. Because that's what we've created to be our benevolent deity, right? It's some old guy pissed off. Well, just the idea that there's this supreme being that's making microcosmic uh, decisions to affect all of our lives and the lives of every living thing in the universe just doesn't make a lot of sense. There has to be a certain amount yeah. of randomness to the program, but you know, then we get into 
free will or the illusion of free will. Because when you start talking yeah. about the universe functioning in its algorithm, you can't have billions of spontaneous programs all making spontaneous decisions and expect anything to stick together. So we could have a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me it makes sense if God, if that's the word you like to use, created us, then God created everything. But then that leads me to my next question, which is do you believe there are extraterrestrial species that actually come from a planet and are alive? Not all, but do you think some are? I think there's a good case for that. I mean, you know, some of these, obviously these these crafts that have been recovered and the materials that make them and the technology that fuels them are all physical things. And there's plenty of evidence that they're, they're inhabited by physical beings. And so... You know, obviously, there's there, yeah, there's of course there's an extraterrestrial um, element to all this, or at least physical alternative species. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. But I don't think all are. And no, that, that, that's right? not. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, in our, in our movie, um, a guy that ran a lot of really controversial government programs and admits it in the film basically says, look, the extraterrestrial hypothesis is a good place to start, but it does not explain everything. And, and that's pretty much how it is. It doesn't explain everything, and there's got to be other elements at play. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then when you get into the interdimensional stuff, then it gets, your mind really gets blown, right? Because are they biological? Are they were they biological? But then somehow they leap into this dimension where they're energetic, and then they go back to their dimension where they're biological. Um, you know, like sort of the idea of time travel, right? The the archaic H.G. Wells idea of time travel. Are you literally getting in a pod, and your biological self is time traveling? Or are you energetically time traveling somewhere where you're there, but you're not biological in that time, which seems much more logical to me than my whole body actually flies into the 1800s where I'm alive. Um, It seems much more feasible to me that time travel forward, back, and maybe even side to side, if we're going to get that crazy, is is done when you're in an energetic state. Do you agree with that? able to manipulate the matrix and and you know i think that we can agree in principle that that's what this is then all of that stuff is possible and probably easy i i, I like to say yeah. you could t- if, if we're living in a simulation then someone can change everything with the wife of a cosmic keyboard yes 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 exactly mm-hmm. and i think you know uh, I, I think yeah. the multiple realities exist both collective and subjective and I'm looking around this reality that I'm in right now and wondering how the heck I got here because none of the stuff, you know, somewhere there's a whole other version of what's going on right now where Ukraine never happened, where we have a good, peaceful society, where there's plenty for everybody, where we're working together to solve our problems, and where people are pursuing their spiritual destinies and their spiritual understandings. And for some reason, I'm not in that reality, and neither are you, and I'm not very happy about it. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I agree. I was like, remember that, uh, that what was like a 13-year-old at some point wrote that whole idea of the alternate United States and what it really was. Um, 
I thought that was so cute because this was something a kid did was envision an alternate universe where everybody wasn't fighting with everyone anymore. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I do think that there are different, that there are different alternate universes in addition to dimensions that are just completely different. I mean, I, I believe that a, there are a, a number of what we consider to be cryptozoological creatures that are interdimensional. Not all. I think some are probably biological and we just haven't figured out where they are yet. But I think quite a few of them are actually interdimensional. And because um, they've been around since the beginning of time, right? They're in every folklore of every country, even when we didn't even know in one country that other countries existed because we thought we lived on the turtleback um, and everything was flat and we were going to fall off before we got anywhere else. We still, these countries in their folklore, have the same things, right? Everybody has something that looks like Bigfoot. Everybody has a Loch Ness Monster type thing. Um, even landlocked countries have them in lakes, right? Everybody has um, something that flies, paradoxically, Jersey Devil, Mothman kind of thing. Everybody has a Chupacabra kind of thing. Everybody has a, a troll kind of thing. Everybody has a leprechaun kind of thing. Like every society has little people of some kind. Possible that every single country would come up with that way back when we didn't know anything existed but our own area. But are they are they actual biologicals or are they interdimensionals? And I think the answer probably is some are one and some are the other, don't you? Well, yeah, but then you also have to realize that if this is truly a simulation, then that's not even the right question to ask. Because they could be all of okay, those things the at the same time, and it doesn't matter because it's all a program. Right. Sure. It's Do like you believe it's all a program? Are, pardon me? Do you think it's all a program? Well, if, we're, if it's a simulation, then it's a program. If, we're, if this physical okay. reality that we're living is a simulation, uh-huh. then it, you can't have a simulation without a program that runs it. Well, of course, but I mean, do you think it's that our, our our reality is actually a simulation? Well, by the very definition of what a simulation is, even as the very basic acknowledgments that science is willing to make, it's it's obviously a simulation. And when I say that, I mean, okay, let's look at, at what matter is. It is agreed upon by science that matter is not really here. We are perceiving energy vibrating at certain frequencies to create the illusion of solid objects. And the universe itself is run by a very simple set of repeating algorithms, the Fibonacci sequence, pi. Um, that's a program. Yeah, There's no that's other way true. to define it. Yeah. Fascinating, but that's, that's absolutely true. And getting into the esoterics of science. This is just basic things that scientists can pretty much all agree on. And just that right. itself yes. dictates that this is a program. Do you have an esoteric no, side? Is it okay to ask you that? Well, it depends are you, on how you, are you define it. Okay. I mean, so so like what define for me. Well, do you are you a spiritual person? Oh yeah, absolutely. I love when spiritual I mean, I'm, people I'm, are I'm, also here, I'm people. I'm here. I'm, I'm here to do a job, and, and I'm doing it. Oh, that's awesome! I love that. That's exactly how I feel about me. Yeah, I think we all have a job that we all should be doing. Um, are we doing it? Is the question. 
Um, everybody well, has I mean, a purpose, really, right? A service. I know making this movie was just unbearable for me. It's like between the surveillance that I was under constantly, feeling like I was revealing information that some might not ever even see the light of day, dealing with having to overcome all of the personal fear and dread that comes with putting something like this out into the world. Um, I had to overcome a lot of stuff for this movie to see the light of day. Yeah. What are some of the things you had to overcome? Do you mind speaking about those? Well, I mean, just being part of MUFON at a, at a high echelon means that you're constantly being watched. Um, I would I would come in the middle of the night while I was working on the film, and my hard drive's just chattering away, and data is being transferred off my computer by somebody. And it, it's like, you know, I, I, I think that the only reason this movie is coming out, and when people see it, they're going to understand. I mean, nobody has poked the bear as much as I am in this film. I mean, I've got guys that, that are just caught bold-faced lying. And we're not talking about people that don't know what they're talking about. We're talking about government officials. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a sense of being under surveillance. Definitely, as I got toward the end of it and some weird things that were happening with my distributor, the idea that the film might end up just never seeing the light of day. Um, yeah, I felt like I had a certain amount of opposition in making it. Um you know, I did, when I was doing some investigations, I was followed by black cars. I mean, all the stupid stuff that people talk about that you don't believe. And and so, yeah, it's like yeah. it's been a it's been a. Oh. And are you ever fearful to live like that? Uh, yeah, there was a time when I was working on this that I was, and you know, it's like even now, I you know, I, I'm I'm still concerned that that they might have hit me with something that, that's going to prove dangerous in the not too distant future so you know we'll see we hope that that's not true but there's another guy who put out something about there is a track record of people getting killed doing that kind of work that's true it's a huge track record yes yeah they just disappear right yeah and i don't live in that paranoia i honestly think that the when I first started this project, I was militant and angry at all of these people. How dare you can sit in a room with me holding the keys to human knowledge and you can't tell me. That's a big bunch of bullshit. Somebody should take you into a room and, and, and make sure you talk. But I don't feel that way anymore. I, I, I realize that there's two sides of the story. I don't approve of the century-old deception, but I also am not angry at any particular individual for participating in it. Does that make sense? And I've managed to yeah. make a film that feels off a whole lot of people that are not telling us the truth, that will admit <laughs> that they're not telling us the truth. And I managed to do it without making any of them look bad. And um, so, yeah, it's a real tight rope I had to walk to get this thing done. And do you think, Ron, that those people are fearful for their well, lives I think that and or will well, they're certainly More fearful, fearful of repercussions if they if they violate their their um, their oath and their commitments. There's repercussions for that. Sure. And of with the, if you're a patriot, if you're a patriot, you're a patriot, and what that means is you follow orders, you don't ask questions, and you do what you're told. That's the definition of a patriot. So, yeah. you know, we've got some people out there that are trying to burst through that, but they're not going to cross that line, and they can't. But it's very, very Absolutely. annoying. I mean, you know, 
sit, you're sitting in a room with a guy who you know has been in a room with a, with with a craft that was not made by humans, and he can't talk yeah. to you about it. You know, it's frustrating as hell. Yeah, yeah. So I had a um, a friend who is now deceased, older, who was one of the very original rocket scientists for Boeing back in the day. Uh-huh. And we were sitting at dinner one night with a bunch of friends at a mutual friend dinner. And um, I was watching the Project Blue Book series, which I thought was so wonderful and so sad it got canceled because it was so good. And I said to him, we're talking about good TV. He was looking for good TV shows. said, have you watched the Project Blue Book series? It's so good. And he said, oh, I don't have to watch that series. I saw the book. And I said, uh, what, uh, what? <laughs> what? And he just kind of went silent and stopped talking. And I thought, um, okay, well, all right. I know because my dad worked in defense as an engineer, and I know there are things you just can't talk about. So I didn't push him. But, you know, I would imagine around that time, right, there were even rocket scientists and engineers. If it's true that we've reverse engineered some craft technology, then somewhere out there, there are engineers who saw that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, plenty. And, but, you know, here's, um, here's the thing that you have to understand about that. There was a very, very small group that had the bird's eye view. And then everything was compartmentalized into a point where you might have a piece of metal and you don't know what it is and you don't know where it came from. Sure. And that's all you right. Or you might have this little thing that looks like a, you know, like um, a piece of technology, but you don't know where it came from. You don't know what it is. You don't know it came off a spaceship. You don't know it came from a crash. And you never will. And and then what happens is at the top of all this, they're so buried and so secret that the institutional memory of these things is gone. And so what we're dealing with is it's like Nick Pope says in the film, we're going to get some information, but we're never going to get all of it because there's nobody that really has it. Very, very few people. And we'll never know who yes. they are. Yes, right. Yeah, and whoever passes, it's going to the grave with them because they're certainly not leaving documentation behind anywhere. No, and you know they and they believe they're doing it for the right reasons. And here's the really scary part. You remember uh, Marco Rubio was making a lot of noise about the UFO thing, a lot of noise about it. Oh yeah, we're going to get to the bottom of it. Blah blah blah. And then they had that um, hearing, and then they went behind closed doors. And Marco Rubio walked out of that hearing, and he's barely mentioned it since. And I think that one of the reasons the secret is being so well guarded is not because you're forcing people to keep the secret, not because, you know, that you're threatening them to keep the secret. I think that once they know the secret, they agree that it needs to be kept. And that's the scariest part of it all. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I do believe that some people, I mean, it's almost sort of that Midwest bar ethic, right? Um, yeah. If, if, even if it is true, don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We only think about the things right around us that we can handle, God and country, and that's all we think about. And I, I yeah, think in exactly. some ways that individuals have limited their own involvement and their own uh, evolution is by, you know, we're talking about human beings limiting themselves, right? Dummying down, dumbing down to the point right. where you don't believe anything exists that you can't touch right now. If I can't buy exactly. it at Amazon.com, it's not real. 
Well, you know, we're so sucked into this, this matrix and, you know, it's kind of fun. I'm like, you know, people are like, are you afraid of dying? I'm like, are you kidding? I'm, I'm going to do something else. You know, I would think next time I'm going to do music and then maybe I want to do something different. Um, so, you know, as long as you're petering around in the matrix, you can play, but I'm not really sure that it's a, it's a level of reality. You want to play too many roles. in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think also it's important that we remember, and I teach this all the time in my in my spiritual practice, that when you first kind of get on your spiritual path, right, and become very dedicated, it feels so good to live in the world of oracle cards and incense and crystals that you don't want to, you know, go to the dry cleaner or pay your bills anymore. That we have to remember that there's a reason why we're on this earth and there's a reason why we're here biological plane and it's great to get really involved in things outside of the three dimensions but you have to remember to still live your human life and be here doing your regular stuff too you can't go so off into ufo world that you know what i mean that you just sit around in a foil hat and never throw out your trash and never talk to another person i mean there are things we're supposed to be doing here too that's absolutely correct, and I'm a firm believer in we didn't we we came here to have the human experience, so relish it. the The idea of you know, well, I I'm here on Earth, so now I'm going to go into a cave and meditate till I die. Uh, okay, you might be missing a point or two. And you know, the other thing is, you you really hit the nail on the head. I spent I spent seven years in Sedona before I, I'm back here now, but I spent seven years in Sedona years ago. I created Sedona Media Company, and I made over 250 DVDs covering all the metaphysical topics, everything from crystal healing to reading tarot to sacred geometry, you name it, a boatload of stuff. And the one thing I came away with after all of that is a couple of jokes. And one of them is there's nothing wrong with being in the moment as long as you don't use it as an excuse to not do what you said you'd do a moment ago. I love that. Yes. Because the, exactly this, this, new age, this new age mentality is basically an excuse for being flaky for 90% of the people that are dwelling in it. And the, and the other one was, um, yeah, uh, if the name you give me doesn't match the name on your driver's license and I'm doing video work for you, you're going to have to pay me up front. I take MasterCard, Visa, <laughs> American Express, Angel Fire. Oh my because God, the, that's the, the more far out they were, the, the, the greater the odds that I was going to do a bunch of stuff for them and I was never going to get paid. And so, yeah. you know, I, I learned some hard lessons about the so-called new age. I think there's a lot of the, the, the idea of an enlightened, expanded way of looking at everything is great, but it's exactly what you said. It doesn't mean you get to withdraw from the world. You're, you're not here to not be here. And, and, this, yeah. and, and you know, yeah. it comes all the people will tell you how important it is to be present, but they're not present. They're somewhere else. Exactly. Yes, exactly. You know, my mom, who was also a brilliant psychic medium, she used to call the, the metaphysicalers because she would say that they just, you know, <laughs> they're, they're going to tell you this and this and that. But they don't do anything. They just, they, they read these books and they turn around, learn nothing from them and act completely opposite. But you know, so, one, one, you one thing know, all, that I got to tell you, is is that you just really shouldn't be calling yourself a psychic medium. Yeah, I do. I'm sorry. No. But I do. Say why. No, ask me why. Ask me why I say that. Why? Because if you're really good, you're a psychic large. 
yeah, I think I'm a psychic triple X, or maybe that's just my actual size. Well, there you go. Um, I love that. that. I love that. (laughs) You know, when I first started working, um, because it took me a long time to come out of this closet, I did it on the down low for a super long time, which my mom always did. She never opened a practice. It was all like you'd come to the house to have dinner, and you'd get your whole life turned around and didn't realize what was happening. So I was an artist and a radio host, and I thought I would never do this. And it was really after she passed that she gave me the message that now's your time, kid. So in the beginning, I didn't want to call myself a psychic medium. I called myself an empath, an intuitive, a vibrational motivationalist. Nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. So I went to psychic medium just because, like, the Midwestern bar conversation, right? It was words people knew. Yeah, you know, I've worked with some of the best psychic mediums. Um, I, I, I have an unreleased movie with Amy Allen that we did before she had the dead file, and she's the best one I've sure. ever worked with. And wow. then in my movie Dead Whisper, um, there's a guy named Robbie Thomas from Canada that just really – I know it, Robbie it made it very well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know yeah, him very well. I'm, I'm the one that made his first movie. He's oh, got wow. a tattoo. I on. knew the movie sounded familiar. That must be why. I knew it sounded super familiar to me. And yeah. I think, and this is a whole other conversation because we're running out of time, but I think that um, uh, EVPs are the scariest thing in the world. And having said that, because we're completely out of time, where can people find you online? And let's do this again because you're awesome. Well, they should definitely go check out the stuff about the movie, and that's accidentaltruths with an S.com. And if they want to see my EVP film with Robbie Thomas, just Google Ron James Dead Whisper, and it's on YouTube for free. Um, yeah, I, we could definitely talk about EVPs. I have a whole theory about that. Yeah, let's are. do that next time. I would love that. I thank you so All much. All right, for well, being look, we're going to see each other so next awesome. week. We are. It's the Parapod Convention, March 31st and April 1st in Santa Clarita. Go to parapodfestival.com. And in the meantime, thank you so much for being here, my friend. I can't wait to do this again. You are such a great, intelligent conversation, and we need more of those in the world, and I appreciate you and everything about you. The wonderful Ron James, everybody, um, go and check out everything that he's got going on. And if you missed that, find me at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com, at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com, or check me out everywhere on social media, at SheenaMetal. Until I see you next time, seek peace, live in love lead with kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration, and remember that you are love and you are loved. I'm Sheena Metal. This is Haunted Playground, live paranormal radio network, iHeartRadio.com. We'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.